Welcome to Convention Pulpit Teen Edition, brought to you through the ministry of Time of Discovery, a division of Interchurch Holiness Convention. Subscribe to this podcast or visit our website for an entire library of great sermons and for more information on this ministry at www.ihconvention.com. Reverend David Spivey pastors the Haven of Rest Bible Church in Galax, Virginia. In 2018, at a time of discovery service, God helped Brother Spivey to preach this message titled, Conformed or Transformed? Romans chapter 12, Romans chapter 12, if you brought your Bible or using an electronic device, Romans chapter 12, we'll be reading two very familiar verses, Romans chapter 12, beginning with verse 1, join me in standing if you would, Romans chapter 12, we'll be here a while yet, so you'll want to stand, I'm half teasing. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable, or well-pleasing unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed. By the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I'm going to ask you to assist me in prayer for this service. I'm asking for God's help and anointing. And you young people that know the Lord, adults that know the Lord, would you pull the spirit of this service? Amen. Father, I thank you for your word. It will not return empty but it will accomplish that to which you send it. Thank you for this group of young lives, the opportunity, the possibility that is here. Thank you that you know us this afternoon or this morning. You know us right where we are. You know where we are in the journey or if we're on the journey at all. You know, oh God, how to speak to us. You know the language of the soul. You know, oh God, how to penetrate walls, Lord. You know how to enter, Lord, uh, where there has been blindness and deafness, Lord. Uh, You know how, Lord, to challenge us. And you know how to encourage us. And I pray that this morning your will would be done. Your kingdom would come in our midst. I pray that there would be a sense that the Holy Ghost is brooding over us and flowing among us. And Lord, we will praise you. To God be the glory, to God be the glory, for Lord, great things you have, and we believe this morning you will do. And we ask all this in the mighty, matchless name of Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. You may be seated. You may be seated. I want to focus first on the aspect of conforming. Scripture here challenges us that we are not to be conformed Uh, The word here is suschematizo, indicating the act of an individual assuming an outward expression that does not come from within. Or could I illustrate it this way? It's the, 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 the point of not trying to fit into something that you were never designed for. Be not conformed to this world... 
Uh, could I illustrate it first this way? If I were to take this tablet and try to force it into my coat pocket, it doesn't want to go. Why? Because it's not designed to fit into it, or really the pocket's not designed to receive it, right? It will not be conformed. It will not fit in because it's not designed for that. That's not its purpose. Let me try to illustrate a little, uh, little bit this way if I can move Jameson's bike here. Congratulations, Jameson. You rigged that well. I'm impressed. Yummy. Anybody hungry? Now, these kernels of corn have been conformed to this can. Now, there's a temporary condition for them, position, because it really has a different design. These kernels of corn are not meant to stay conformed to this. We're going to cover that, Lord willing, at the end of the message. But they have a different purpose. Yes, this is where they are for now, but that's not their ultimate goal. They're, they're squeezed into the mold of this can, can. And young people, Scripture says very clearly that you, that I, are not to be squeezed into. We're not to conform into the, the uh, attitude, the the mindset, the lifestyle of this world. It is a no-no because you were never designed for that. That's not why God created you. It's not why he's allowed you to be born and you to be here this afternoon. It's not so that you can have the spirit and the attitude of this world, which is just summarized in me first, in my way. Doing what I want, however I think. That, that, that's, the, that's the summary of this world is self-centeredness, the big I. You were never meant to be conformed, to, squeezed in, to be squeezed into the mold of this world. I want to begin with Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1, uh, God says that he was going to, uh, well, let's read it for you, Genesis 1, 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. Or I just want to begin with the simple foundation that God made you, and he made you stamped with his image. He, he made you in his image. No other creature... No other creature that God created had that distinction. Let me just try to illustrate that for you. How many of you have a pet? Maybe a pet dog. Raise your hand if you have a pet dog. How many of you think that your dog has ever contemplated whether there was a heaven or hell? Has your dog ever thought about that? No, we can't know for sure, but highly unlikely. I wonder if your dog has ever thought, I wonder when I grow up, I wonder what, what my purpose will be. I wonder who I'll marry. I wonder, I wonder what my career will be. I wonder where I'll go to college. Has your dog ever thought about that? Highly improbable. Monkeys or apes have never thought about that. See, you are stamped. Even those who do not believe in God contemplate these kind of concepts because they have been stamped with eternity. God is the eternal I am. 
He inhabits eternity. He dwells in the past, present, future all at the same time. And he stamped you and I with his image. We have an eternity consciousness. We have a purpose consciousness. Everybody here wants to matter. I don't know if the dog cares if he matters, but you want to. Because you have been stamped with the image of God. And God in creating us in his image has a purpose for us. He has a plan for us. And it's not that we be squeezed, conformed to this world. That's not what he intended. That that, that comes with a brokenness. That comes with self-will. That comes with sin, selfishness. Now Jesus, he expanded on this principle. You remember that uh, some fellows came to Jesus. They were trying to trick him. They were trying to find out, really, uh, they were trying to find out whether they should pay taxes or not, but really, ultimately, they were trying to destroy Jesus. And they came to him and they said, "Uh, Jesus, is it lawful for us to pay taxes? Jesus asked them for a coin. He said, whose image is on it? They quickly answered, Caesar's image is on it, just like this dollar bill, George Washington's image is on it. Jesus then gave them a profound response, friends, that if we just think that he meant you got to pay taxes, though we do, unfortunately. If we think he just meant that, friends, we've missed the import, the impact of what Jesus was saying. Because he said, render or give or surrender to Caesar that which is Caesar's. Why? Because Caesar's image is on it. But he says, render or give to God that which is God's. What bears God's image? We do. So what Jesus was really saying, he was saying, let me just take a minute to give this away. I'll have to get it later. What Jesus was saying, he's saying, Mankind, rulers, you that are seeking to trap me, God is asking you to give yourself to him. Don't be conformed. Don't be squeezed into the mold of this world. For you see, Scripture instructs us that we were made for his glory. In fact, Revelation chapter 4 says, as they're worshiping and praising God, they're saying, they're saying, thou art worthy to receive glory, honor, power, for you've created all, and listen, for thy pleasure they are and were created. Now that sounds a little strange to us sometimes, but, but I think John Piper uh, has, has coined a statement that I love, I feel like helps us understand this. God, he says, is most glorified or we bring him the most pleasure when we are most satisfied in him. Now, that's initially to the flesh. That's a strange concept. But friends, this is truth. It's God's truth and God wants you to put it into practice. When God becomes supreme in your life or you give back to him that which is his rightfully, you begin to find a deep satisfaction in life. When you're not squeezed into the priorities, the mold, the attitude, the direction of this world, 
When you say goodbye to self-centeredness by the help of the Holy Spirit, you actually become the most satisfied. It, it, it's, the flesh tells you just the opposite. The flesh says live for yourself and you'll be happy. All we have to do is look around a little bit. Don't look around too much because it's... <laughs> it'll hurt you. All you have to do is look around. The people that have the most money, the people who have the most fame, are they mostly happy? By and large, they're not. There might be some exceptions, but by and large, they're not, friends. Why? They're being squeezed in the moldless world. They're living in a, in, a, in a manner that God never intended for them to live. Now, I wanted to apply this to some things that are happening in our culture and try to help illustrate some points of the insanity of conforming to this present age. I'd like to first of all introduce to you uh, a young man. Well, I, actually I should rephrase this. I'd like to introduce to you Jordan the Cow. Jordan the Cow, if you'd come be with us. <laughs> Jordan! Wow! Now Jordan, I knew you raised cows, but... You want to be a cow? Mm. Huh. Jordan, so, so how long have you been a cow? Mm. I guess that's what cows do, right? Mm. That's one of the things they do. Um, so Jordan, uh, uh, are you going to stay a cow? Mm. Jordan, do you really believe you're a cow? Mm. <laughs> how many here believe Jordan's a cow? Raise your hand. You might be a cow. <laughs> None of you believe Jordan's a cow. Now, wait a minute. He's got horns, ears, a funny-looking nose, and that thing. <laughs> Jordan's trying to be a cow. Does that make him a cow? That's it. Jordan, thank you. Could you give Jordan a round of applause? In Genesis 1.27, it says that God made man in his image, mankind that is, and it says he created them male and female. He didn't say, wait a minute, I messed up, forgot that third option. God said it very clearly, I made male, I made female. You see, friends, it does not matter how much Jordan puts a cow nose on, or cow horns on, or a cow tail on, it doesn't matter how much Jordan moves. Jordan is not a cow. He's a young man. He might act like a cow, dress like a cow, but this does not, friends, make him a cow. It's tragic that I have to speak this, that I have to preach this, but I have to. Because society 
this world is trying to squeeze us into a mold that does not fit. And you see young people trying to squeeze into a mold. We see it all the time now. We'll be talking about it in just, just another moment. We see them trying to act a certain way. In fact, they're in Galax, Virginia, rural Galax, Virginia. Uh, we're working with a, a young family and uh, four precious girls that we're working with. And the mom reached out to me just a few weeks ago and she said, my daughter received this letter from another girl, although the girl doesn't look or act like a girl. She received this note and because my daughter said, God made you that way to this girl at public school, the girl sent her a note, all offended, and said, you have your beliefs, I won't make fun of them, but you let me believe what I want to be. I believe this, I want to identify this way, that's me. But friends, the reality is it doesn't matter how much that girl wants to act or dress a certain way, it does not change who she is. God made them male, he made them female. Amen. Amen. I know there are some who begin to struggle. We're living in a broken world. We have a broken, uh, a broken soul, a broken personality. And I know because of upbringing and because of propensities to certain kinds of sin, friends, I know that even in a crowd this side, there could be some questioning, some details like this. And I will say, do not be conformed to this world. Don't be squeezed into its mold, its priority. That's not what you were designed for, regardless of how you think you feel. Amen. Amen. You see, God made them male and female, and he didn't say he made a mistake. Wish I could spend more time there, but I'll just say this. God made us different physically, emotionally, and psychologically. Male and female need one another in the proper context, in the right design of God. We'll talk about that. Not only is there a distinction of gender in God's creating us in his image, but there is the right desires of the gender. I've asked... Um, oh my goodness, I'm drawing a blank. Brother Glick. Thank you. If you'll be coming. Now, I'd like to uh, illustrate another point here in regards to proper desire of the gender. We're going to play a little basketball. Let me like basketball. I messed up my knee playing basketball. I used to like it. Jeffrey here is going to help me. Uh, we're going to go one-on-one. -on -one. Now, my knee is fixed as of about a year ago, so I feel sorry for Jeffrey. Okay? What do you mean? You don't? Now, listen, Jeffrey and I, we're going to go one-on-one. -on -one. We're going to see if he can get past me. Now, listen, I've played basketball a few years, more years than he has. Okay? I think I know the right moves. All right, Jeffrey, here we go. Terrible. What do you mean terrible? Terrible. You didn't go by by the rules. 
I didn't go by the rules. No. Now, wait a minute. Who makes the rules? I don't know. You don't know? <laughs> he just knows that to basketball, there are rules. Well, huh, fine. You don't like the way I play? All right, here we go. Hold on. Hold on. <laughs> what? Wait, no. What? Don't hit me with that thing. Don't hit you with this. Exactly. Please. What would make you think I'd hit you? Because you're standing there with the bat. Oh. <laughs> Thank you, Jeffrey. Appreciate it. Whether you play basketball or not, you understand, innately, you understand that basketball has some rules. You cannot tackle people in basketball. <laughs> now, some of you fellows play that way, but it's against the rules. It's called a foul, probably a flagrant foul, maybe a technical foul. You keep doing that in the game, you'll be out. You can't use a bat in basketball, okay? As much as sometimes for me it would have been handy. <laughs> Not okay. It's against the rules. It's against the rules. And when you step on a basketball court, by and large, you accept the rules. Didn't say you like the rules. You accept them. If you're going to play basketball, you understand that there's only so much contact you can have. If you're going to understand you can't just walk around the court with the ball. You can't just tackle people. You can't do that. You have to accept that there are guidelines to the game. Did you know that there are guidelines? with being male and female? There are guidelines. Even when you don't like it. Let me read Little Women or heard the story, etc. Okay? Remember there's a character, in fact the main character of the story, very possibly, very likely, based off the actual author's life. Her name was Joe. Joe had three sisters, Megan, uh, Beth, and Amy. Megan's three sisters, they were ladylike. They were girls. They enjoyed being girls. But then there was Joe. Joe didn't like being a girl. Joe wished she'd have been a boy. Just stated that way. She wanted to play boy games. She, wanted to, she didn't want to be all ladylike, etc. But thankfully, Joe had some parents in the story. I know it's fictional, but based on, probably based on the author's life. Joe had some parents, thank the Lord, that did not give her an option. Amen. Now think about this. Joe grew up understanding that she had to play by the rules of being a girl. I don't misunderstand. That doesn't mean she didn't have some fun outside, ice skating, etc., in a more boy-type way. But she never stepped out of the rules of the game. She was a female. She was not giving a, a, given a second, third, fourth, tenth option. Amen. And with that, 
She grew up to be a young lady, married Professor Bear, and they had, this is so interesting to me, they end up having a home for boys. And it just fit Joe. She was able to be a tomboy mom. Yeah. Still in the parameter, still a mom. Okay. Now, friends, with that comes the sexual desire or do what you are drawn to. I rode on an airplane out to Youth for Christ Convention just a couple, month and a half back or so. I sat on the airplane next to me on the left on my way to California. I sat by a lady who, if you understand, I think she was a lady. I'm pretty sure she was a lady. I think she was trying to look differently. To my right, I sat by probably a 60 to 65-year-old lady named Sherry. She was Asian. Very obvious that she was Asian. Uh, I think I began the conversation just asking her if she was headed home, something like that. And for the next probably three-plus hours, Sherry unfolded to me the story of her life and that she was from China and how her father, who was a, a ruling member of China after World War II, he had to escape for his life, and on and on the story went. But before the story was over, she got to her own children, and she got to, I believe it's her oldest daughter that she was traveling to see in California, and she shared with me that her oldest daughter... Her oldest daughter had been wrongly treated, messed with as a very young girl. And she bore those scars. She bore those scars for, for years in her life. And she held them to herself. She was ashamed, embarrassed, probably scared. I don't know what all her emotions were. But she held them for years. Finally, it came out, but damage had been done, long-term damage. And now this lady sharing with me that her daughter, by her own admission, is identifying as a lesbian. She's identifying that way, and, and her daughter attributes it to what happened to her as a child. Sherry began to unfold to me that now her daughter has this, a partner, and they're wanting to have children. Now, friends, I'm sharing this with you. I know. I know it's a mixed group. I know. But, but, but we, we have to confront these things. It's all over. And I'm not so ignorant to think that there can't be some confusion going on right here. I heard the anguish in Sherry's heart. She's saying, I just can't accept them having a child. You see, there are some rules that God has put into place, and we ignore them at our own peril. We get squeezed into the mold of this world, and there's so much confusion and, and so much uh, just brokenness and mixed up homes and lives. Why? Because we've allowed ourselves to be squeezed into a mold that we were never intended to be in. And friend, I'm not just talking about the issues I've dealt with here. God says, I made the male and female, and I'm moving beyond this point. But we are called to leave father, mother. We are called to cleave to our companion, to be one with them physically, emotionally, psychologically, and spiritually. And then, I'll add this third point, we are to conceive. God says, be fruitful and multiply. God loves families. Amen. Amen. He does. 
He's the God of the family. I mean, one man, one woman, children, family. Now, there's another area that I feel to deal with in regards to this being conformed to the world. I've always been one who enjoyed technology. The love of technology is not in and of itself evil, thankfully, because some of you got iPads. I will just say this. If you don't feel that you ought to have that, feel free to talk to me after the service. I'll try to find someone to, for you to hand that to. Um, I can remember back uh, when I, I'm going to guess it was probably mid-90s, early to mid-90s, way back there. And um, I liked technology and uh, I went to some electronic store and purchased this electronic address book. It was really cool. You could type addresses in it and of course you could go to your um, I want to say flip phone. You go to your cordless phone and you could hold this, you could look up the person's address, then you could hit this button and it would, it would give the tones for their number. You could hold it right to the phone. Beep, 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 beep. Speed dial. Early forms. Now listen, that was cool to me. It would have been cool to you too, maybe. I graduated after that to a Palm Pilot. Wow. Then flip phone. I mean, like, you know how I was getting the smaller the better? In fact, my wife, um, when we were dating, we were not swimming at this pool, okay? We were just walking by this pool, and I stopped to feel the water or something, and I teased her about pushing me in, or pushing her in, and huh, next thing I know, she pushed me in. She ruined my, my flip phone. She did. I'm still sore about that. Remember when I graduated my first smartphone. Now, if you saw it now, you wouldn't think it was very smart. Okay? I think when I got married in 2004, I don't think we were using Google as a verb. I don't think so. I don't remember for sure, but I don't think we were. Technology has advanced so rapidly. The Internet specifically is everywhere. Now, you pray for me right here. Because I feel I'm to cover some things, and you pray that God helps me to cover them properly. You pray for me. It is everywhere. I remember in 1997, I lived in an apartment by myself, and I was thinking about getting the Internet. It was a pretty new phenomenon. And I remember we came out of revival, and God checked my spirit about this. Because I felt like I should not be in an apartment alone with the Internet. Single guy early 20s, in an apartment, by myself, without accountability. And so guess what? I didn't get the internet then. And thank God I didn't. Thank God I didn't. But now it's everywhere. It's even, if you were to go to Best Buy, you can find a refrigerator. You can find a refrigerator that has a camera. And that camera looks into your refrigerator... And if you happen to get to Walmart or Kroger or wherever you shop, you get to the store and you think, oh, do I have milk? You can open the right app and shine the camera into your fridge and you know whether you have milk. How do you do that? The Internet. It's everywhere. In fact, it's called the Internet of Everything. We're there. It's where we are. And this availability, this 
internet being everywhere is causing, we might as well face it, it is causing serious addiction. Amen. You're praying for me. It's causing screen addiction. Don't raise your hand. I mean, since Andrew Durst told you to take your phone out, since then, don't raise your hand. How many of you have checked your phone in this last half of the service? I understand. You checked it because, you know, it's an emergency. Who knows, mom or dad might have been texting me. Very important that I respond to mom and dad. Of course, it's not that important other times, but... I mean, you know, my goodness, did you see what so-and-so posted? She got a new outfit. Here I am to worship. God, you're an awesome God. Whoa. Oh, hang on, Lord. I'm not that far off, friends. Not that far off. I'm talking about screen addiction. I'm talking to us adults. I'm confessing on myself. We are becoming crippled. We are. To think that we cannot survive more than five minutes without checking emergency. Creating social. Now, I'm going to put social in quotation marks here. It's creating social media addictions. My friend, an addiction is more than something you utilize for a good cause. Addiction is something that begins to control you. Could I ask you a question? Do you ever shut yourself off from your phone? I mean, just say, right here, I'm not checking my phone. I'm turning my phone off for this time. I hope you have parents that require that of you. My brother, who does not know the Lord, but he's trying to be a good father, he has an app. Now, he allows his children to have smartphones. They're a little bit older now, somewhat older. We may talk that, we may not. But let me say this. I was blessed by being with him to find out that he has an app that shuts his daughter's communication off on her phone after a certain time. I don't know, maybe 9 o'clock, something like that. Now, now, I just want to share something with you. I was with her just probably three, four weeks ago. Did you know that she is surviving without her phone? from 9 p.m. to about probably 7, 8 a.m.? Yeah, she's alive. She really is. <laughs> I took her out and we got Dutch Brothers. She's alive. She's surviving. In fact, some would argue she's kind of flourishing. I don't think I can pass this one up. 
fellas? I am not one who proposes that all video games are wrong. I came from a group that kind of leaned that way. I'm not a proponent of that. Some are. Some are. I mean, some you should know. They're so clearly wrong. You should know that, and your conscience has convicted you about it. You know that if you were going to be fully well-pleasing to God, you'd know you need to give that game up completely, delete it, be done with it. Amen. I'm speaking to someone right here. But even if it's a legitimate video game, okay? You can argue with me if there's such a thing. I think there are. But we are watching a generation of young men and women addicted. And they're becoming socially crippled. And if they have any spare time, they're on the phone and usually they're playing some game or looking up something on social media. Hear me out here, friends. Just just give give me a little time here. And there is precious time. Only one life, so soon it will pass. Only what's done for Christ shall last. I have Facebook, and I do believe Facebook can be used for God's glory. I do believe that. Some of you can't, though, not at this season of life. You're not there yet. I do, I do believe it can be used for God's glory. I, I think there are some games that can be played that can be healthy, wholesome relaxation. But friends, hear me. Hear me. I have never heard a pastor stand up and say, the reason God has brought me to this hour, the reason I can pastor this church like I am, the reason I have a burden for souls like I do, the reason I'm wanting to see God's kingdom advance is because I reached level 74 in need for speed. That's the key. That's it. Or any young lady say, listen, God was able to call me to the mission field when I read so-and-so's post about the new outfit she got. Stay with me. I know all things can have their place, and to the pure in heart, all things are pure. Stay with me. I want you to pray for me. I'm trying to cover this the way I'm supposed to. But when we become addicted, we must have it. It's a daily or multiple times a day thing. And we find ourselves in times when we should be shutting it off and putting it away. We find ourselves drawn and captivated. Friends, we are being squeezed into the, the, the priorities of this world. We're being conformed. It's the truth. And of course, there's the huge atrocity of sexual addiction, pornographic addiction, and it's destructive at every level. I'm going to share some things and be careful, but I'm also trying to be plain. The average age of a boy's first viewing of pornography has dropped to 10 years of age. And 75% of the viewing of this trash, tempting trash, but trash, friends, is done where? Right here. Three-fourths of it. 
Remember when I told you that God spoke to me as a 23-year-old young man? And he checked me about having the internet in my apartment alone as a young man. And it was primarily due to these dangers right here, right here. And yet somehow, somehow we think now that we can play around with these dangers. I'm going to be transparent with you. I do at this point have a smartphone. I've contemplated setting it aside. And I'll just tell you, not because I am not because I am failing with this kind of material. I thank God there came a day that does not mean I've had not had battles, and I'm going to be transparent with you in just a minute. But I thank God He's given me full deliverance over pornography. Thank God. But I will tell you, I recognize screen addiction, other forms of addiction, and temptation. We are ignorant. We are being foolish if we do not recognize the dangers as well as the possibilities. I am not anti-technology. And I, I'm not anti-technology, but old friends, we must deal with and, and have technology under the leadership of the Spirit of God and in accordance with the Word of God. Amen. And I will tell you, just this week, just this week, I went to my wife as I am trying to do consistently and be, became accountable to her, not became, I am accountable to her, and, and, and brought up to her a situation where I was on a website shopping for something else. But, but, but some things came up and, and I just felt the check of the Spirit and, and, and even the correction of the Spirit in that. And I just went to her the next morning. I just said to her, sweetheart, I just want you to know this is what I saw. This is, I'm not talking about full pornography, friends. I'm talking about getting too close to the danger lines. Amen. And I just went to her and said, sweetheart, I just want you to know. And, I, and I, the Lord's just reminded me I can't even get close to that. Scripture says uh, that we're not to even have a hint of immorality. I don't need to take the time. I don't have the time to share with you some of the negative effects of these addictions, whether it's screen addiction, whether it's social media addiction, whether it's, it's uh, a video game addiction, whether it's pornography addiction, and on and on the addictions can go in relating to technology. And friends, I'm actually talking about not being conformed to this world. Oh... In 10 minutes, this author says, a teenage boy can see more and more beautiful undressed women than the greatest Sultan harem owner in history ever saw in a lifetime. There must be accountability. You must require yourself, if you've been allowed to have one, if you've made the choice to have one, if you feel clear to have one, you must require yourself to be away from your device. Prayer time, send it away. Church time, I know some of you use your Bibles uh, on that, but I'll just encourage you, turn it on airplane mode. Now, I know there are a few emergencies, maybe like one service in six months, you might need to leave it on. You know, when mom's got to get hold of you. 
But I would encourage you to put it in some kind of mode where it's not going to be a distraction to you in service. And adults, I'm speaking to us. Amen. Can we not get in service and put our whole hearts into it? Is God not worth that? Do we not need that? Amen. Family time. We need family time. How many of you, don't, I want to ask you if you're guilty. How many of you have seen families? You go to a restaurant, you go somewhere, and they're having family time. So is he and her and her and him. How about QT family time? Avoid the danger times. I had a young man confess to me recently that for him, danger time is when he goes to bed. That's the time he doesn't need his phone. You see, Paul said in 1 Corinthians 9 that he's running a race. And he says those running a physical race, he says they get really serious about it. They quit eating certain things. They, 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 they change how they dress. I mean, they're serious about that. And they do all of it to win a trophy, to win some honor. And he says, We're, I'm in a race, he says, and I'm serious about it. And I'm willing to do whatever I have to do to be successful, to win this race and gain a prize that's not corruptible. It's not going to sit up in a closet. It's not going to collect dust. It's a prize that's going to last for eternity. It's the crown of eternal life. Hallelujah. Now, some don't need to have accountability. I mean, we all need accountability, but some need to get radical. Jesus says that if your hand offends you, what do you say? If your eye offends you, that's radical, okay? We understand that Jesus was speaking in hyperbole, but friends, he meant the point. He meant the point. And it says if there is something that is continuing to be a stumbling block for you, Hebrews chapter 12 verse 1 says that we are to lay aside every weight and any sin that doth easily be set and we are to run with endurance the race set before us. We're to get radical. For some... Read this, what this author says. In the meantime, this author off MacaderNet.com, this author says, in the meantime, savvy parents and even savvy teenagers will switch to dumb phones. I didn't say that. This website, I think she might be Catholic, says that. That's radical, I know. I'll just tell you this. It'd be better for us to get radical... Recognize we might need to go to a dumb phone at least for a season than for us to be conformed to this world, to be addicted to sin and selfishness and lose our souls. That's what Jesus was saying. He says, get radical enough to where every hindrance is removed in your life to being godly. Listen, friends, thank God the only thing he said here was don't be conformed. He said be transformed. Hallelujah. And there's a link to doing that. Romans chapter 12 verse 1 says, Present your bodies a living 
sacrifice. In other words, it's to be a sacrifice. A sacrifice was something offered up for a purpose, for a purpose of worship, for a purpose of, of a penalty possibly. Uh, a sacrifice was something that you offered up. But he is saying, I want you to make a distinctive act as well as a daily act that says, Lord, here I am. Lord, I'm yours. Remember, that's what you were created for anyway. Created for God's glory and God's pleasure. And you will find your greatest fulfillment as you live for his glory and pleasure. And so Paul says the link from moving to conforming to transforming is to offer yourselves and say, Lord, here I am. I'm not a dead sacrifice. In other words, I'm not killing myself. And I will just say here, if you're ever contemplating suicide, it's the wrong route. It's not the right option. It's a lie from Satan. He's not asking you to kill yourself. He's asking you to offer yourself as a living sacrifice. Lord, here I am. Take my life and let it be. Fully sacrificed to me. Now, it's a strange, strange method. <laughs> It's a strange method, but oh, it reaps great rewards. It's to be a sacrifice. Now, I will say it does involve death to sin and self. Because you see, when the New Testament author or when the New Testament readers heard Paul say, offer yourself up as a living sacrifice, when they heard sacrifice, they did not think, um, I got to give up coffee. Now, for me, that's sacrifice. Some of you too. Some of you should have had your coffee. Some of you need coffee right now. They didn't think, oh man, God wants me to give up coffee. No, when they heard living sacrifice, they understood that God was saying, everything is to be laid upon the altar, all of you. Your ambitions, your plans, your wishes, your life, your personality, your likes, your dislikes, your future plans, your et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, your family, et cetera, et cetera. Lord, I'm just laying David Spivey here. And I'm going to be a living sacrifice. In other words, I won't just lay on an altar, although I will in spirit. Lord, I will go out then and be holy, well-pleasing, acceptable to you. Lord, I will be yours. And it says in Scripture here that when we do this, we make a full surrender. When we come to the Lord and say, Lord, I do not want to be conformed. Lord, I want to be transformed. The link between those is just simply saying, here am I. All of me, Lord. I need your wisdom. I need your grace. I need your strength. I need you, Lord, to help me do this. I can't make this on my own. But, Lord, that's what I want to be. I want to be transformed. I want to be living for your glory and your purposes and your kingdom. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. I want to try to close and illustrate it this way. The idea of transformed is the same word we get metamorphosis from. You know, the little caterpillar crawling around, eating leaves. A life lived for low purposes. Wouldn't you like to be a caterpillar? But there's a link between a caterpillar and a butterfly. There's a link. We call it a cocoon. That caterpillar enters into a cocoon, a cocoon that forms around him. And that caterpillar 
is linked to a transformation, could I just say this, by making a surrender of itself. It, it, it enters this. And it comes out in a matter of time a distinctly different creature. Jesus was really illustrating this principle when he said, if except a corn of wheat fall to the ground and die, it abides alone. But if it, what? But if it die, what? It brings forth much fruit. If you love your life, you're going to lose it. In other words, if you, you keep it for yourself. But if you give your life away to him, he says, I'm going to make your life count. You're going to be fruitful. Let me illustrate it this way. You remember these kernels of corn we talked about at the beginning? They're conformed. They're stuck in this can. But if we were to free them from this can, and I were to take one of those kernels, pretend it's with me in my hand, and I would be Mr. Farmer, and I'd say, kernel of corn, I'd like to propose something to you. I'd like to propose that I want to bury you in the ground, and you, and you the kernel of corn, says, No! That would be the end of my life. I don't want to be buried in the ground. I want to be, you know, I want to be something big. I want to be popcorn. Get that later. I mean, crunch and munch. That's what I want to be. I want to be something big. I, I, you know, I, I don't want my life to be lived by going down into the ground. You know, if the kernel of corn could think, if he could give his opinion, he might say, wait a minute. I have other plans. But here's what Jesus said. When people, you want your life to count? You want to matter? You want to be transformed? You want to live a life of satisfaction, fulfillment? I know you do. Jesus says, here's the pathway. Present yourself as mine. And when you do, there will begin and continue a transformation process in your life and you will think things are over and I will tell you they have just begun. You will begin a life of fruitfulness and one kernel becomes not only an ear, but maybe two or three ears, and the multiplication begins to happen, and the kernel becomes fruitful and purposeful, and life counts and matters. Why? Because they submitted to the connection, the process between being squeezed into versus being transformed into. I guess to stand. Brother Tim, you're coming. Young people, I would ask you, What are you headed for? You're headed for a life lived, conformed, focused on self, living the way you want to live, following the purposes that you think you want to follow. Friends, have you heard a higher calling? A calling that says, I don't know what's beyond that cocoon. I don't know what's beyond that surrender, but Lord, I am telling you, you can have all of me.
I mean, who I am today, who I'll be tomorrow, Lord, you can have me. I know there's here some that God wants to give victory over some addictions. I know there are some here that God wants you to make a fresh consecration. I know there's some here that need to know a dying to self. I know right here. And as eyes are closed, heads are bowed. I'm just asking, would God be saying to you that this is the time? Some of you have already done this, this meeting. There's God saying to you, I want you right now. I want you to link from what you, how you have been living, what you have been doing to what I have for you. Would you feel him calling you to come forward this, this afternoon? This is God's business. It's God's work. Would you feel him calling you? Young man, would you know his forgiveness, fresh forgiveness and victory? Young lady, would you know, would you know from the Lord that you belong to him, that you will live for him, that you are, you're going to be his lady? Young man, you're going to live for a higher purpose, a higher calling than what your interests are, your priorities are. You're going to go back to the basics and say, Lord, I was made in your image and for your glory and for your pleasure. And Lord, I believe that if I will live for that, Lord, I believe, Lord, you're going to bring a transformation to my life. Some are coming. Friend, if the Spirit of God is drawing you, the Spirit of God is drawing you. I felt there was to be some seeking this morning. This isn't a light thing. This is life and death. It's heaven. It's hell. It's not a game. It's not really an option, though you do have an option because you have free will. Friends, there is no higher purpose and calling. It's higher than we even understand. It encompasses more than we can imagine. And you're allowing God to bring you from the link of conforming to transforming will make the difference. It'll make the difference for your future companion. It'll make the difference for your future children and family. It'll make the difference in, in whether you uh, 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 make it to heaven ultimately or not. It'll make the difference on what kind of work you do. It'll make difference in, 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 in where you live. It'll make the difference in, in, in how you conduct yourself on a daily basis. It's serious business. Business. God the Holy Ghost is saying, Son, daughter, child, come to me and let me change. Let me transform. Let me mold and make to where we come to a place that we can say, Lord, I am thine. Lord, take my life, my lips, my feet, my hands, my heart, my mind, 
Lord, take all of me. <laughs> all of me. Lord, I submit it. I submit it, Lord. Lord, I'm asking for victory. I'm asking for your life in me, your power, your grace, your transformation. Thank you for listening to Convention Pulpit Teen Edition, brought to you through the Ministry of Time of Discovery, a division of Interchurch Holiness Convention. For more sermons or for more information, subscribe to this monthly podcast or visit www.ihconvention.com. This ministry is made possible through the support of our listeners. You may give online at ihconvention.com or send your donation to IHC, 18931 Route 522, Beaver Springs, Pennsylvania, 17812.